This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Genesis chapter 37, and we are in Into the Life of uh, Joseph. It's an important story. Like I said yesterday, he takes up most of, if not all of the rest of the book of Genesis, his story or ancillary stories to his life, take up the mo- most of the rest of the book of Genesis and begin the whole story of God and his people. And so I think that is a, he is a wonderful kickoff to that. Now, the passage that we're dealing with this morning is an important passage. It is a difficult passage. It is really difficult from a spiritual sense or when you're studying the Bible, the way I try to study it, to looking at the symbology, looking at how God uses his words. Because remember, Jesus is the word. I want to see how God is presenting himself, how he is showing himself to us through his word. And so it is really important that when you're studying God's word, when you're looking at this passage, that you see it from God's perspective. It's not easy. It is a, like I said, a very difficult passage. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his other children. I love that. He says he loved Joseph more than all his other children. And the reason I find it so interesting and it intrigues me, it causes me to step into it and seek after it, is because, remember, I told you before, when God uses the two names of Jacob or Israel, when he uses those two names, he is giving you an indication of things. When he uses the name Jacob, he's speaking to to this man's earthly nature, his sinful nature. He's speaking to his time before he was he's redeemed. He's speaking to his walk that's not a walk of faith. And so when he speaks of Israel, when he calls Jacob Israel, remember that's the name he gave him when he wrestled with him on the shores of the river waiting to see Esau. That's the name of promise. That's the name of hope. That's the name of God's blessing. That's the name that you're a prince of mine. You're you're important. You're a prince of the king. And you've been changed. You've been changed not by your good works, but you've been changed by faith. And it says here that Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. And notice it's using that name Israel. It's using that walk of faith name, that name that comes from him understanding God and knowing God and seeing God face to face. That that journey that he went on that started at Bethel where he first met with God, then went through his 20 years with Laban where he learned how to do right and learned how to be good and learned how to be godly. And then his journey back to the promised land And God meeting with him again after his sons have acted wrongly and done wrongly and his family was in danger and God gives him the name Israel with Esau, but he also renews his promise with him after his sons have acted evil and wrongly. And so in his walk of faith, in his walk of faith, he loved Joseph more, more than all his other children. Now it says because he was the son of his old age and that may be that, that he 
actually fathered or that he was actually more of a father to this child, this boy named Joseph, than he was to the other children. Maybe that he taught him how to walk with God and actually invested in him more than his other children. I don't know, but I do know this, that apparently Joseph was a man of faith, a man who actually lived out his walk with God, a man who actually did the things that God told him to do, the man who, who treated others well, who acted rightly toward his father, his mother, his brothers, acted rightly toward the people in the world. Apparently, Joseph was a man that was who does what he ought to be doing on a regular basis. And it's in, in the walk that Israel had, in the way he walked with God, Joseph was someone that he loved. He had a deep passion for this boy named Joseph. And that comes from, it doesn't come from his flesh. It's quite clear from this passage that it comes from his spiritual walk and that his spiritual walk caused him to be in line with who this boy was. Now, it also could be that he actually invested his life into his younger son in a way that he didn't invest his life into the sons that came before him. He may not, in the 10 that came before him, actually taught them the ways that he had with God. And that happens a lot with believers nowadays. A lot of times we allow children to grow up on their own. A lot of times we think that they're autonomous and in some ways righteous or, or good beings on their own. The Bible says that we're not, that we grow up, that we're born. In fact, the Psalm of David says that we are conceived in sin in our mother's womb. We, Our conception passes on the sin nature of our father, and Hebrews teaches that also, but our sin nature passes on through our conception from our father, and we are sinful from the womb. And what is required for children what is necessary for children is that they be taught righteousness. Righteousness is not innate to them. It doesn't just come out of them. Holiness and being a person of good character and being a person of good report is not something that just comes by happenstance. It's not something that's born innately in them. It's something that has to be grown in them. And so many times I hear people using terminology when they're speaking to their children as if they're their friends and acting as if they, they need to, in some ways, cajole them into doing something that's just, it's just societally in something that needs to be done. When a child takes things and throws things in a store, that's not good. And you try to reason with a child not to do that, that's three or four years old, the reasoning skills of that child doesn't exist. That child needs to know that certain things are bad and certain things are good. Certain things are harmful, not just to the world they live in, not just to the people around them, but they're harmful to them in the moment and in the future. And they need to understand that they don't need to be doing that. They don't need to be acting that way. They don't need to be free to just do as they see fit because we're not free to do as we see fit. We do live in a society. Our society does have norms. Now, I do realize that we live in a society where they're trying to totally upend and change those norms. A lot of the institutions and things that we have as far as our government, as far as our society, those are institutions that are formed. Those are things that have happened over hundreds and thousands of years. And the reason that they have formed and happened, I'm not talking about the bad things. I'm not talking about things that cause destruction. I'm not talking about things that ultimately destroy societies. I'm talking about things that are good for societies. Those things have grown up over the generations. And the reason they've grown up is because we found out, hey, that works. Well, the best place to raise a child is in a family. 
And there's certain things about family and there's certain things about government and there's certain things about communities that are important. And the reason we have them is because those institutions are the guide rails for our, our children and for the generations to come to grow up in. And when you just willy-nilly start destroying those guide rails, when you start destroying the things that cause us to be able to be good people toward each other, to live together, that, that's just not... That's just, that's just not a good thing. It's destructive. And the Bible spells many of those things out. And really, to tell you the truth, these efforts to destroy these things are oftentimes an effort to destroy what God has put in place. They're a direct attack by the enemy. The family was instituted by God. The church was instituted by God. Governments were instituted by God. All these things are institutions that were put in place by God in the New Testament. And they were started in the Old Testament. They were started in Genesis. And they have great value for societies. And when governments act properly and act rightly toward their citizenry, they protect their rights, their innate rights to them. When they, when they put the guide rails in so that people can best seek after what God has for their lives and his will for their lives, society works great. When the church is in the business of making disciples, when the church is in the business of growing people in the image and the, in the, in the admonition or the chasing after of God, when we do that, people grow and society is blessed. The people that we live with are blessed by it. And when families are whole and intact, they have a father and a mother, and that father, and even the whole idea of being a father and being a mother is, at, is being attacked today. It's ridiculous. We understand from Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 that God made them male and female and that fathers and mothers are very necessary for children. We, we're told so many times that a mother can be a father. I talked to a lady in our church just two weeks ago, and she said, I raised my children by myself. And she said, I tried to be a father to him, but she said, I'm not a, I'm not a father. She said, I was a mother, and sometimes me trying to be a father caused me not to be very good at being a mother. It was a struggle for me. Why? Because we know sociologically, we know through study after study, that children grow up best when they have a father and mother who invest in them, who invest in their lives, who, who give them both sides of the coin, who show them how to be who they ought to be. And uh, Joseph was a son of Israel's old age when he was really walking with God. And so Joseph got the benefit of a father who was walking with God. Perhaps his brothers didn't get that benefit. Perhaps his brothers didn't get to benefit from Israel being Israel the way he ought to have been Israel all his life because obviously he wasn't Israel when most of them were born because both most of them were born while they lived with Laban up, up in Haram, up in the place where where he found his wives and where he built his family. And he was not Israel there. He was not a man who walked with God perfectly or rightly, and his children probably did suffer from that. And you know what? God is calling men to walk rightly before him. He's calling men to, to find him and seek him out and to be fathers and to be husbands and to be men of integrity in our community and to be men of strength and influence. And you can call that patriarchal or you can call that whatever you want to. I don't really, God's word is quite clear about this. God needs and God desires for men to be who they ought to be in the community that they live in. And let me tell you something, most women understand that and want that too. And women who come along and tell you that <clears throat> maybe they say to you, I didn't have a good experience with that. And so I just think I'll tear that institution down. Your personal experiences and your personal issues 
are not good reason to destroy whole institutions, especially institutions which we know not only through history, not only through psychological studies, not only through our sociological looking at the world we live in, those institutions that exist that have helped and led people to the good things of God, those things don't need to be destroyed just because you didn't have a good experience with them. That's just like saying, you know what, I had a car accident and that car accident caused me to be injured, and I suffered from that injury for 10 years. So I think we ought to get rid of cars. And you tell you the truth, the whole reason we got roads is so we can have cars on them. And I think we ought to get rid of roads also because I didn't have a good experience with them because it didn't work out perfectly for me. I think we ought to just get rid of that whole idea of having roads. And I hate to say that, but that's foolishness. And not only is it foolishness, it's foolish for people to even listen to it. Just because your personal experiences in certain situations didn't work out well doesn't mean that we ought to tear down everything good in our society so that you can feel good about your bad experiences. That, that, that's just not how things work. And that's not how society works. We need to, I hear people saying all the time, we need to dream and, and come up with new ways of doing everything. You know what? That's a limited and a selfish and a, and really a myopic view of how we live in this world. There's a reason why these institutions exist. Now, can they be, can they be tweaked? Can they be changed so that they work better and more? Obviously they can, and we've done that. And let me tell you something, there's been a lot of bloodshed overdoing that. When we started as a nation, we enslaved people. But you know what? Hundreds of thousands of people died in a war, most of them not the ones that were enslaved. Most of them who died in that war died to end that. That institution was bad. And there are institutions that are bad, and there are things that need to be changed, and there are situations that need to be adjusted. But that doesn't mean we throw everything and redream something. Most of those dreams that they're dreaming are nightmares. And you can see that going on in our cities. You redream that we could live in a society where we didn't have law enforcement and see what's happening. There, there, the, the, the cities that we dream that dream in are being totally and utterly destroyed and people are fleeing them like rats from a ship. And the reason they are is because you dreamed a nightmare and then you foisted it on society. The truth is that doesn't work and it never will work and it doesn't ever work. The way we figure it out is we say, hey, listen, these are the standards. This is truth. This is what's good for society. And just because other people, just because people in society don't live that out properly doesn't mean we're going to destroy it. We're going to help people. We're going to show people how to live right. And that's what this, uh, the whole story of this verse is about. It's about people, namely Jacob or his new name, Israel, figuring it out and his son benefiting from it and his son figuring out you know what, my dad is walking this way, and it's best for everyone that he walks this way. Wow, that's a behold, look at that. And that's how it works. And so my message this morning would not be a call to love one child over the other. My message would be, while you are who you are today, your family and society can benefit from you walking as you ought to walk. Our community, our world, our families, our churches benefit when God's people learn to be who they ought to be. And let me tell you something. So many times people say, I just do this, and it's my decision, and it's my will, and you know what? It's not hurting anybody else. I can tell you this. Anything that causes you not to walk with God and not to walk in love and peace with your neighbor, anything that restricts that, listen to me, hurts other people. 
Even though you say, it's just what I want to do and I'm not messing with anybody else, you are hurting other people because you know what? You are in our world we live in. You're in the world we live in. You're walking around among us and we need you to be all that God has for you so that there's benefit to everybody from it. And when you're not doing that, our society, our church, your family are hurt by that. And there's no way to get around that. God wants godly men, women, and God wants young people to grow up and seeing that and understanding that and knowing that in the world we live in, in the communities that we live in, in the families that we lead and the families that we walk with, that God desires that for us. And when we do that, people benefit from it. Your children, your family, your friends, and even people you don't know benefit from it because they get the blessing of your faithfulness. And the blessing of your faithfulness is the grace of God poured out in the world we live in. And remember, when he fills our cups up, he's not very precise about it. Did you know that? When he fills our cup up with grace, he's like that, he's like that server that just grabs that cup and just starts pouring, and it pours out all over the glass and the cup and pours out all over everything. When we walk by faith and do the things that we ought to do, the grace of God pours into us. It fills us up, but it pours out and overflows on everybody else. And it's required and it's needed in the society that we live in that we not throw away the things that God has put in place, but that we walk in them and be who we ought to be. And everybody is blessed by it. And especially the ones you love the most because they're the ones that are around you the most. And they get the biggest benefit from it. And why wouldn't we want that? And why wouldn't we walk? It's foolishness not to. And if you've had a bad experience with something that's an institution, something that we do as society, you need to look and say, was it the institution that was destructive? More than likely not. It was usually a person who wasn't doing what they should in that total institution, the way we do things. And so what you learn from that is don't be like them. It's easy, isn't it? Just don't be like them. Be like God would have you be. That's the answer. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.